is it number 16? We're live. We are live. How are you? I'm perfect. I'm perfect. I'm hearing you, though. How are you? How are you? Tell me. Well, as you can hear, I'm also perfect. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> no, I've got, I've got, I've got a cold. I've had it all week, but fortunately, I'm I'm coming out the other side of it. Good. So no more runny nose, a lot less nose blowing, and I'll be good by the weekend, hopefully. But I mean, I haven't done a lot of talking because of it. So also, like, obviously, it's all stuffy, but also my throat's a little bit eerie. So Good. let's see how this goes. Let's see how this sounds. On the oh, other yeah, side. So for those who are listening, no, we haven't just woken up. Uh, it's He's a bit ill. And we're actually recording at night for the first time. Well, we've delayed it. And you know what? Um, I've listened to podcasts where one of the hosts is like, he's got the flu or something. Yeah. And on one hand, obviously, you admire that their work ethic, that they're still doing it. But it does usually make a worse listening experience. So I was conscious of that. If we if we recorded this when we usually would, it would sound a whole lot worse. Mm. It's all right now, to be fair, though. I mean, obviously, we have to listen back to it to actually judge, but it sounds perfect to me. Yeah, it's all right. I mean, it won't sound it won't sound the same, but yeah, it's fine. That's how we do it. That's how we, this is ill edition. Well, the first thing we want to speak about is not be, not you being ill, but yeah. you did your first run proper run since your concussion yeah basically um, so yeah tell me how how did it go uh okay hear me out um it it wasn't great now okay. during this time i was still exercising here and there but nothing too intense in terms of i wasn't necessarily getting out of my comfort zone if you were to say um so i started the run as always i make this same mistake every single time I run where I start my run at quite a high pace rather than, you know, easing into it. Um, so I ran for a bit before I started recording it on on the app called uh, Nike Run Club, I believe. Um, so I usually I jog for a little bit, like three minutes to warm up, although I didn't really do it for that long this time. And then I went straight to it, and I started it with a very high pace. I think it was like four, I believe, so or three something. Like I remember, like because I remember looking at it, I looked back at it, like I had my phone in my chest. I took it out and I looked at it, and I was like, "Surely it's been longer." Like the distance in my head, I thought it's a lot longer. Yeah. Um. So I started running, and usually I start my runs on that pace anyway. Like a minute in we're talking like maybe 0.3 kilometers in i'm like okay i need to slow down here um so it got to the 1k mark and this was my original plan so usually i do hill sprints as you know i don't necessarily do a lot of long distance running like i consider like a 5k a long distance run for myself i don't really do long distance so i do a lot of sprints instead but before I do my sprints, I usually do like a 1K run around and then I go at a hill and I do hill sprints or something. So I, that that was my plan. That was my original plan. At the end of the 1K mark, I was like, okay, I need to go for the sprint now in my head before I start. But the moment it got to the 1K and it said um, one kilometer, this is the pace that is that, I was like, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, not doing, I'm not doing hill sprints. I can't really do hill sprints. My legs were literally locked. Like 
even moving it was painful. Ah, uh, yeah, well, that, it was bad. That's what I was going to ask because was it to do with your concussion or was it just physically because you haven't done it for so long? It was really strenuous, but yeah. it sounds like the latter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, well, see the concussion. I used to, I tried to run in the earliest stages of my concussion. Uh, keep in mind, both of those were, um, like the couple times I tried to run, they were sprints. They were both hill sprints. But even at that time, like the 1K I would do, I would get a bit dizzy or I would get a bit lightheaded. Everything starts spinning around, but I would try to just push through it. With this one, it wasn't necessarily... It wasn't necessarily that, honestly. So I think my head's fine. Like, my head's genuinely fully functioning right now. But it was the case where, like, my body just gave out. Because keep in mind, during this time, I haven't necessarily used my legs in an exercise form. Well, like, yeah. Just walking around. Exactly, which is why I think... I mean, yeah, it's 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 stupid then to start exactly where you used to be when mm. you haven't done, like, intense physical activity for quite a while you know so i was then gonna ask why didn't you taper it to something maybe a bit more chill because you don't really i mean who anyone who runs knows that like a pace that's in the threes or even the fours is ridiculous like you, it's it's high end you don't need it so mm. like average is five five is good so that's where you want to be so like four or three is yeah there's, there's no need for that so why did you want to just jump straight in at the deep end well see hear me out now this is a controversial one i have actually besides from sprints i have never stopped running because i ran out of energy or i ran out of gas basically i've never gassed out in my runs every single time i stop my running is because my legs give out at some point so i've never ever done like we did like a 5k together one time i believe I, I don't get tired from those runs. It really is not my stamina running out. Every single time I stop when I do a long distance run is because my legs start to hurt because I've got, obviously, my knees are messed up and I've got, I carry a lot of muscles. Can uh, I just say, though, yeah. the 5K that we did was not intense at that all. Was, no, that, that was, was like a work. pace of six or seven. So yeah, that was like quite a yeah. peaceful run, though, that one. That was a peaceful run yeah it was amazing but yeah so this time in my head i was thinking if this is before i start running i was thinking okay surely my legs are going to be a bit sore but i've actually never gassed out so there's no way i actually get tired during this run yes my leg would probably be locked up like a few kilometers in this before i start but it's just pain like i can run through pain that's all right um do you see the david goggin mindset there uh <laughs> But yeah, like this this time it was a case where not only 1K in, my legs were locked up. I was running out of oxygen. I was actually trying to breathe in. I was like, no way. Why is my heart my, why is my heart rate up? This is not meant to be this high up. Like I'm meant to still not be tired, but I was actually getting gassed out a kilometer in. I still pushed it for one, one more kilometer and I tried to go uphill on that one. But still, it, it was not the one. Maybe that's a sign then that, you know, for going forward, obviously you can't box at the moment, but, you know, maybe for, I don't know, the next two or three months or something, start doing what you would consider long distance runs. So 5Ks uh, or 10Ks. And that way you're not going to gas out. Now, of course, you're going to be running them at probably at still a high pace. Um, don't run them at four, by the way. There's just no need for that. But, 
yeah, run them at like a pace of five. Mm. Do five Ks, work your way up. And of course that will build up, naturally that will build up your cardio. And then you won't gas out when you do the hill sprints. It's not going to happen. Yeah, that's true. I mean, that's what I was actually thinking about because I was like, okay, I still can't box. So there's no reason for me to try to... Uh, built my stamina around boxing now part of the reason for those that are listening part of the reason i was doing sprints or i was trying to structure my runs around how my sport is and i do recommend that to any athletes out there to try and simulate their run based of how the sport is like if you're running to improve at your sport build it around your sport structure it around your sport so for me an amateur boxer, I'd only have three two-minute rounds to box. Um, that During those two minutes, your heart rate's through the roof because it's not like professional games where you sit on your punches, you slowly move around, you build your way up. No, it's like the moment the bell rings, you go at it until it ends, basically. It's, 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 it's a stamina game. So before that, it was a case where I there was no need for me to do long-distance running. So I was trying to structure my runs no more than 10 minutes yes sometimes like there's that 1k 2k i do but no more than 10 minutes why would i try to make my body used to working and uh spreading out all my energy throughout 15 20 30 minutes when i'm only working for six minutes yeah so that's a very that's a very good point you want to optimize it for you know your end goal which at the time was boxing and again will be boxing so yeah Exactly. But now, as you said, exactly as you said, now what I'm going to try and do is uh, just try and long distance because honestly, it's a therapy. Running is genuinely a therapy. Do you know what is a therapy, right? I've done this recently. It's running on a Sunday afternoon and -hmm. the weather's been perfect for running recently. It's been like, it's been like mild 13 degrees, cloudy with a bit of sun. And if you do it on a, if you do it on a Sunday afternoon where you just have that vibe anyway because it's a sunday and it's the end of the day it's the end of the week but also because no one's out so it's really quiet Mm. and if you're running through like urban areas it's just beautiful to do so i highly recommend anyone listening you yourself if you're doing a runs and if you're going to do one on a sunday do it in the afternoon yeah often yeah i usually i usually run around nighttime this time however i ran i believe no, actually, this time it was evening as well. But yeah, I'll try that Sunday after- afternoon runs. I agree. Morning runs, either very early morning run, not the 5 a.m. one, like 9 a.m. for me is a morning run. Sometimes I do that. Yeah. Um, but afternoon runs are a vibe. But for me to do that, the weather has to be good. And I usually do that during summer times. But you're right. Over the past couple of weeks, it's, it's been perfect. Well, speaking of gassing out, Jordan gassed out against Qatar in the AFC Asia Cup final. Did you see it? I did actually. That was a controversial match, but I one. so I I watched the highlights because you told me about it, and I remember that we spoke about it last week. I was like, oh shit, okay, yeah, we need to follow this. And basically, Qatar, they their three goals were three penalties, um, which is very interesting uh, in a in a cup final. I mean, come on, three penalties during normal playtime is sort of ridiculous, and I actually, I don't think they should have had three penalties. I think the middle one, the second one, shouldn't have been a penalty anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, watching from the highlights, it looked fairly even. But of course, 
a penalty kick is going to be your best chance to score a goal. And if you've got three of them and you take all your chances, you're probably going to win that football game. But it does mean that Qatar are now back-to-back winners in the Asian Cup, which is something that, I mean, that surprised me because I don't even know any Qatari players. But fair play to them, man. There's some big teams in that tournament. Um, Yeah, Qatar did really well throughout the whole tournament. Um, A few things I'd like to point out is firstly how much money they've generated through football, just Qatar, because they've recently hosted the World Cup and then they were hosting the Asian Cups, uh, which obviously generates a lot of money and they've been investing a lot of money into their football team and just football facilities in general. Now, this tournament in itself, I was reading a lot of, because I was following it from the beginning, and I was reading a lot of comments throughout uh, social media, media, X, um, Instagram. It felt like by the end of it, a lot of people were saying this was rigged. What I mean by that is they were going to win anyway, in terms of uh, you just knew they're going to be biased towards them, which I mean, in a way, is understandable knowing they're playing in their home country. But they did have a few controversial moments in this tournament, one of which was the game against Palestine, I believe, which yeah. they won 2-1. And that game was very controversial because, firstly, in the highlights, there was a goal for Palestine, which was, I believe, uh, this they didn't allow the goal to happen because it was offside, but it just wasn't. There was that. And the penalty for them was just not a penalty. First, it wasn't even in the box. Actually, maybe yeah. it was in the box. Second, they didn't touch like they didn't touch the player. That was one of the moments. The other moment was they were playing, obviously, um, Jordans, which fair play to Jordans for getting to finals, by the way. I mean, that in itself was quite an upset because I believe in the semifinals, they had to play against South Korea. Yeah, that's uh, a big game because South Korea have a strong side. They've got Premier League players in there. Exactly. And that game wasn't like they barely won. The, they were dominating the whole match. Like it wasn't even close that game. Like they could have scored like five more goals. Probably. Really? Yeah, that game, like they dominated the whole game. I mean, even the game with Qatar, like they did very good considering uh, how well Qatar played in the last match. I mean, the last match Qatar did well. They won 3-2. Um, I believe the last match, yeah, they were playing against Iran in their last game, which once again, there was another controversial moment there as well. Uh, but yeah, I mean, in general, it was it was good. It's good to see. Uh, firstly, all Asian teams have improved a lot when it comes to football over the past few years. I believe 2014 onwards, they just improved a lot, every single one of them. Uh, even in the last World Cup, what team beat Spain? And that was a big. It upset. was it was Japan, I believe. No, 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 no. It wasn't Japan. It was like a big, big upset, and that was the time where we were out as well, I believe. I don't remember where we went, but no, we I, walked... I do remember Japan completely dominating a massive team, and I think it was Spain. Was it like a like four nil domination? That that I remember that game, but there was this one other time, which it was during the World Cup. I don't remember where we went, but it was actually me and you, and we were outside. Uh, and I believe, oh no, sorry, it wasn't me and you. I think you were out with Joseph. I was out with Toga and Neve, uh, and we went to Winter Wonderland, and you were out with Joseph. And that was the time where oh, big opposite happened. That was 
uh, Morocco yes, versus Portugal. One. That's the one. Oh Morocco, no, but there there was there. there was a Japan Spain upset, which was, was just that. domination. Which is why, again, like you said, props to a team like Jordan and even Qatar actually for getting to the final because Japan Japan are incredible international side and some of the football they play is really impressive if you watch it yeah and again like we said before with south korea i mean their captain son for example tottenham hotspurs captain so the pedigree of player there is also excellent and you know like i was saying at the start with qatar i don't even i couldn't name you any of their players i don't i'm not really i don't recognize any of them Mm. which is when you've got people who are you know competing in Europe's top five leagues, for example, and then you have players who perhaps uh, are competing in the domestic leagues in Qatar or Jordan, for example. Um, it's really impressive to see those teams go as far as they did. And again, for Qatar to win it back to back, whether or not the win is controversial or if it was always going to happen because it's in their home country. I completely forgot, by the way, that they hosted the World Cup. And I remember. I was watching some of the highlights reels and I do remember looking at the stadiums and thinking, this is really impressive. When did Qatar get all this amazing infrastructure? But it yeah. does make sense because it's left over from the World Cup, isn't it? Exactly, um, yeah. But I'm, I'm not sure, I don't know if you have any numbers on this, I'm not sure how well in terms of viewing figures the Asia Cup did, has done, but I know it has struggled in its past just because it doesn't have the same... Which which is surprising because of the amount of people that live in Asia, but it just doesn't have the same reach as like a Euros mm. or a World Cup. But I do feel like perhaps that is slowly changing. I guess, you know, what you need is the quality of teams and the quality of players within teams to improve on a whole. And I think it's fair to say that's probably happening. But then again, you also need like better refereeing decisions. And like I said, you know with the final firstly having three penalties is never a good thing um and also one of them was not even a penalty and like you said in the qatar palestine match also not a penalty so that never helps a sport when there's when there's those moments where you're like this is pretty dodgy but yeah i was just i was just thinking do you have any numbers on on how the asia cup has performed or any you know feeling towards that so as far as I know, um, they've been actually doing good in terms of most of the stadiums were usually sold out during all the big games. Uh, I know there were a lot of viewers for each game. But yes, in comparison to obviously European football, it's it's not close. But as you said, I don't I don't also have figures on it. I do know the viewership on like YouTube, considering it's still a big platform, has been quite low uh, because it live stream on YouTube as well. So this wasn't necessarily something you have to have like uh, Sky or BT Sport. You could just watch it on YouTube, although not through UK. Any Asian countries could just uh, live stream every game through YouTube, through the official AFC Cup, AFC Asia uh, Cup uh, oh. channel. So yeah, you didn't necessarily have to have like a designated um, channel in order to watch it. But yeah, I do know it was good to be fair. Yeah, I mean, that was something I was also looking at in terms of are the crowds full? And I guess in terms of the Asia Cup, it didn't help that AFCON was also on at the same time. Yeah. And yeah, so yeah. that sort of splits your, your viewership. Just a note on AFCON, um, 
kind of an incredible story there. Uh, yeah. Ivory Coast won 2-1 against Nigeria in the final. Can I just say, Ivory Coast finished third in their group. So the only reason they got out of the group stage was because they were the best third place team uh, within a group in the whole tournament. Um, But they also sacked their manager within the group Mm. stage. And every knockout game, they came back from behind. And the man who scored the winning goal in the final, Sebastian Haller, only beat cancer last year. So crazy. He took a whole year out of the what it is he took a whole year out of the sport because he had testicular cancer he's come back and he scored the he scored the winning goal in the africa cup of nations for his country who didn't even look like they were going to get out the group stages so yeah incredible i agree and keep in mind that match i don't know if you've seen a highlight they've been they literally dominated the whole game yes they were one nil down at first but they were dominating the whole game yeah I, i mean on paper, the players that Nigeria had, I thought probably going to be a Nigerian win. Um, but yeah, I like you said, there's a movie in there. Literally, keep. I like to point this out as well, though. Have you seen the jersey, like the official club jersey from Nigeria? I mean, if you've seen it, I have not. I haven't. It's amazing. I think it's the best football team or national football team. It's it's just so clean. It's amazing. I'm gonna I'm gonna Google it now. That's if you like the color green, of course, but it's just amazing. Let's have a look. Yeah, it looked amazing. That was one of the best ones. I was actually trying to look because I was thinking which country has the best one. And I saw the Nigerian one because in the, in the Asian Cup one, a lot of them were similar. A lot of them were white or red. Um, Japan had a good one, actually. Uh, but actually, one thing I'd like to point out about Qatar as well is Qatar was the only team who had the least... Uh, players who were actually born in Qatar. Like, I believe they had 60% of their team just not even be from Qatar. Well, before we get onto that, it is a very nice kit, I have to say. Um, very nice. And yes. I think they have a history as well of doing really nice kits. But on Qatar, that's interesting. So where where are those players from? Do you know? Like, somewhere from Brazil, somewhere from Morocco, somewhere from... Um... The Brazilians were really good. Somewhere from, I believe, literally China. Uh, uh, maybe not China. Maybe not China. Maybe I'm wrong there. Um, but yeah, like they had the least amount of players that were actually Qatar born. In that's the not that's not uncommon though, because if you take a country like France, for example, and their national team, you'll find that quite a lot of the players were either have descent or were from Africa. Yeah. But because they were raised and they lived in France, they are eligible to play for France. Um, mm. And because France have a better pedigree on the world stage in terms of football, if they're very talented and they have the option, they, they tend to choose to play for France over, you know, whatever their African nation is. Um, but I, I wouldn't have thought that about Qatar. But I guess maybe it's just because, you know, families go and work there. Um, so, for example, they might move from China. I, I guess that's why it's a country on the up, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's just the money out there because, as you said, yes, it happens in a lot of European teams. But then again, that's something more common. Like in Europe, you see more diverse communities when it comes down to anything, really. Like it's very common for you to go out and just see people from different nationalities. And obviously, a lot of them do hold a 
the nationality of the country they're living in as well. So they have the option to pick which national team they want to play in. But when you go to like Middle Eastern countries or Asian countries, you rarely see like players from other countries who also have like the dual citizenship and they decide to represent that country. Like you, it's very rare to see. Like if you look at all the other teams, like I, I don't believe they have any, or I don't believe they have as much players that are, let's say, from another country, like born in another country yet represent that country. But yeah, I mean, as you said, it's probably the work. Keep in mind Qatar or just that side of the world, the UAE around that time. Uh, they've had a lot of money in the air over the last half a decade, let's say over the last 20, 20 years, 30 years maybe. Uh, and that was for infrastructure, law, anything really. As long as you had a good degree in anything, good level of sportsmanship, good business, you just make more money over there. So there's not much stopping you from going over there. In fact, um, I was speaking to some of my classmates regarding okay, what would be the best option for an engineer. And they were saying how, yeah, UAE is the way to go if you're an engineer. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. Um, of course, as we know, you will not be following that career path. Uh, I, well, maybe maybe you will. I don't know. But I don't think I'll see you in the UAE. <laughs> but speaking of money, do you have $3,500 to spare? It's it's not worth it. Trust me. It's, it's not worth it? It's not worth well, it. So what we're talking about here is the Apple Vision Pro. Um, Mark Zuckerberg released a like a statement, but also like a impromptu video shot on the MetaQuest Three about his. He sort of did a review about his thoughts on the Apple Vision Pro, um, mm-hmm. and I think this video came out on I don't know Tuesday, uh, Wednesday. Did you watch it? Uh, I did not. No. He basically really smartly really really smoothly completely ripped into it um because what he would do for example is say like okay yes it has a better resolution but because they've focused so much energy on this resolution it can't do this this and that which the meta quest 3 can do hmm. he would then go and say okay yes it has a more slick visual design but it also weighs very heavy on your forehead and can be uncomfortable. Whereas we did this, this, and that to make sure that the MetaQuest 3 is optimized for comfort. And so on and so on. He was talking about the user phase, how you can do this, this, and that, and it looks so much better than the Apple one. And I mean, there is an incredible amount of hype around this product. Of course there is. It's a first-generation Apple launch. But he did make some very good points. And now it makes me want to have a look at the meta quest free for example what they're doing but that's not what we're talking about anyway what we're talking about is the apple vision pro and what we have thought in its first two weeks of release basically and i have to say i sent you this video i think when it came out when it released two weeks ago now um by a youtuber who i used to watch all the time casey neistat Legend. and well firstly shout out to casey neistat because i just love the way he edits his videos but I was really impressed, man. It, Great. I mean, the spatial computing and yeah. the way that you can integrate that into your everyday life. It's almost like you can never be bored again. And it it's like living a different experience. Imagine mm. you're waiting for the London Underground and you have this headset on. 
you're no longer just going to be standing there and staring at you know the advertising boards or listening to music you can now watch like a film or you can have a youtube video up in front of you yeah and you can be completely immersed in that and i mean it literally just just changes your reality and okay yes it has all these faults yes it's a first generation product yes the battery life's not that great it might not be the most comfortable thing it does look quite silly to be honest obviously it needs to be streamlined smaller but i do think yeah it's extremely impressive i don't i don't agree with the price point but we all know eventually that's going to go down and down and down um, mm. because this does look like it's going to be a success and it does look like they're going to pump out more of them so i'm wondering what what's your thoughts on it from the first two two weeks of release now i watched the same video on it as well and for those who say yeah but i can just wait for the underground and watch a movie on my phone believe me it's different now obviously i've never tried it on myself but i do recommend to people to go and watch that video it's just it's not like you're just watching a movie you're not looking at a screen it's your reality it's what's real to you it's not like okay i'm gonna pull out a screen i'm gonna look at it i'm gonna do this it's not that it's just like you're sitting there and genuinely there's a screen in front of you all of a sudden and one of the great features of it is it's not just okay that one tap is open in front of me you could just do everything you could at the same time you could study by just looking to your left you could talk to your mates by looking to your right you could take notes you could see the checklist of the day you could see the weather top left whatever you want however you want to configure it and that's just amazing that's something as i said people would just think you can just do through your phones as well and that's true you can you can do all of that through your phone you can do all of that through an ipad you can do all of that through a laptop but it's different when you sit in front of a laptop and you pull your phone out it's like a device you're holding whereas the apple vision pro would just feel like it's a part of your reality it's a part of your body um i agree with the points you made regarding the price tag regarding the battery life by the way i was uh, i was gonna say when the battery was announced i was quite disappointed with it two hours and i believe we talked about it but um this seems to be a bit different than the way i thought so it seems to be plugged in the whole time anyway so you don't actually just get two hours it's something like you get five six hours out of it when you have well, the double battery packs and you have one fully charged and carry it around exactly yeah so that's what people have been doing so on its own it's two to three hours but the reason why there hasn't been like a big uproar over the battery is because most of the people who have been using it, like you said, have just been carrying around extra battery packs, which does make you look like you look like a character from the film Ready Player One if you're wearing one of these. Yeah. Um, but yeah, battery doesn't seem to be an issue. It, it must be heavy, though, if you're carrying all that equipment around with you. Yeah, yeah, 100 percent. But yeah, back to your point, what I think about it. Uh firstly let's try to decide what it is is it an ipad is it a phone is it a laptop it's it's a new thing you can't in my opinion you can't necessarily compare it to anything now in terms of uh, meta i believe it's called quest 3 as you touched on it that's different you see with that it just gives me a false reality it's like with those ones or the one playstation has those are a false reality you're entering those are something that you put it on, you're into this world of, yes, it might be still very nice and helpful, but with Apple, it's different. Whenever they do something, it's just it's just much different. This one is 
it just feels like it's a part of you. It feels like you're a cyber human. It feels like everything's easier, better. Everything's more accessible. Now, I watched a video on Apple Vision Pro. And this was on an individual who was just sitting in his living room. And he had everything. And he just walked from his living room all the way to his kitchen, all the way to his room. I've I don't seen it. Think it's amazing like he has all this work in front of him he has his tv to his left and this is all virtual by the way none of it is real and then he walks over to his kitchen on his uh on his fridge he has like to buy or to do his checklist above his stove he has a youtube video from like a chef how to cook like a recipe in his room he's got that. like everything that's just amazing like you just look at that and you're like okay well now i'm watching a video it kind of feels cartoonish but i'm sure when you have the actual thing on it just firstly feels like as i said and i touched on this before it's like your reality second it just make everything easier yeah like in in regards to something so niche that is cooking i mean imagine you're, you're cooking multiple things at, at the same time in like frying pans and you've got you know, different timers on top of it. So you know exactly what you need to do. You've got your own recipe and like a checklist and you can you can check it off. You can put your shopping list on your fridge and have it there and it will stay there permanently and you can just update it. So oh, I just, I love that. And the possibilities that it can have is just amazing. I, I totally agree with you on that. Now with the price tag, uh, let's just call it 3000 pound. I believe it will be around that 3,300 when it comes to the UK. Um, see, I think, yes, it is overpriced. However, this has the same stuff in it as a MacBook or sorry, an iMac, which is like the computer that Apple does. And when you go a high tech iMac, it comes around the same price anyway. So essentially you're paying for a really good computer, which does, which is basically like a VR. Now, when you compare it to other VR headsets, yes, it may be overpriced, but I don't even think you should put this in the same category as all the other VRs. Now, one question I have regarding Quest 3, could you see your surrounding whilst you have it on? Because with Apple Vision, what it does is you could still see everything and things are just around you. But with Meta 3 or Quest 3, could you still see people around you? What's going on? You can, stuff? yeah. Okay, okay then. But yeah, I uh, mean, for the price, I don't know about it, to be honest. I completely agree with what you were saying right back at the start about, you know, Quest 3 and PSVR being different in terms of you think of those and you immediately think gaming, right? Mm. Whereas this Apple one, not only does it feel more serious, and I think that's just the way they've marketed it, for example, because you, you can play games on it, I believe. Um, but it has like real world implications and just the way they've gone about, you know, marketing it and introducing it and showing how you can improve the way that you live your life already. Um, and that's really impressive. And they And they do that through something called what they call spatial computing, which is something that we we haven't we're not familiar with um but on one sense really excited about this and of course naturally on the other sense i'm thinking does this not make you know living by extension boring if you do not have this does it not make it dull by comparison because imagine everyone has a vision pro on you're at the subway and 
you're the only guy who's just staring at the floor and everyone else is, you know, watching their Mr. Beast video like Casey Neistat was or or they're watching Dune or something, they're watching a film. And so I guess that's a question, though, that naturally comes when you have these technological leaps and bounds and usually, um, yeah, it could make life dull, but but probably not. I mean, it will catch on, it will get more streamlined, and as we always say, when it becomes more streamlined, it will become cheaper. So, But that was just something I was thinking about that there is that risk that those who do not have it, when it does become more universally available, might find life more dull by comparison. Yeah, I mean, a few things I'd like to say about the point. First, you made at the start was, yeah, when it when it comes to comparing it to other ones, yeah, it gives you a gaming vibe. Like, the best way for me to say it is, up until, or just before Apple Vision Pro comes out, I just saw no need in my life for VR. The moment the Apple One came out, I'm like, well, I could actually use this, you know, like I'm not going to go and get it. Yeah. But now it actually makes sense to get it. Um, and regarding the other stuff you said, it's two things just comes to my mind. Firstly, it's scary to think about it. Secondly, it's the future. Like it's quite scary to think literally the same thing you just told me. If you're just waiting for your underground, if you're waiting in an underground station, waiting for your train to come and everyone have their Apple Vision Pro or their quest three on and everyone's looking around they probably don't even realize you're there uh, and you're the only one just standing there or there's only a couple of people who don't firstly that's quite scary if you think about it it's just how we going to shift it, i i think it's going to be a similar shift to when we saw mobile phones as well because up until yeah. 20 years ago there wasn't a such there wasn't such a thing of okay everyone's sitting if there's nothing to do they're going to be on their phone they're going to be on social media it was people talking to each other, getting the newspaper, this, that. But over the past 10, 20 years, there's a shift of people going from maybe, you know, having a conversation with people they don't know to just being on their phone when they're waiting for something or if they have nothing to do. Um, now, I believe this is the next step. This is something where over the next, let's say, 10, 15 years, it's going to be like literally normalized. It's going to get to a point where it's going to be affordable for everyone and it's going to make sense to get it. Like if the same product was slimmer at twice the battery life, had more features, um, I'm sure and half the price, I'm sure everyone would get it or most people would get it. And it is going to get to that point within the next 10, 15 years. Apple love introducing these big shifts in society. You just said it there with the iPhone, but I'm also thinking about AirPods, right? I believe mm. they came out seven or eight years ago. Yeah. Think about, you know, if someone walks into a supermarket and does their shopping nowadays, they're always going to have music or a podcast on. They're not, you know, logged into their reality. And when they go to the checkout, they're still going to have it on. They're not going to be talking to the cashier. You're not going to be having those conversations. And this is just another extension of that. But I mean, you're completely right. Um, double the battery life, smaller size, next generation, repeat. They're going to keep doing that, keep doing that until they get into the cycle where they are with the current iPhones, where it's like they can only make tiny changes each year because the technology is so good. But I mean, one of the things with this was I could definitely see myself having it, but it also made me fear in the sense that what the fuck is our attention spans? They are so bad. What are we doing here? 
is terrible. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you, but I mean, at the same time, there's that element of, okay, this is the future. Uh, we're looking forward to it, this and that. Uh, let's see. Let's see how it's going to turn out to be within the next 10 years. Maybe we eventually do our podcast on it. So shall we move on and talk about Disney investing $1.5 billion in Epic Games and what this could mean for the future of gaming? So we sort of briefly touched on this in one of the first episodes we did when Fortnite pivoted to a multi-platform game, I suppose you could call it that, when it, you know, it introduced Lego Fortnite and Rocket yeah. Racing. And I guess this investment is just a, a surefire way to sort of solidify that move because what it now allows something like Epic Games to do with Fortnite is use that Disney IP and to create Disney-based games within the platform. So it does sort of, I guess it, yeah, it solidifies what we were saying a few months ago where we were like, Fortnite's mission is no longer to be, you know, that live service game that it is and that continuing ongoing game that it is, but but rather be a platform in which the next big game, the next Fortnite-sized game is going to appear on. And I think from their point of view and also Disney's point of view, although it's not a a surefire success, so to speak, it does increase those chances of both those two things happening that I said before. So mm. very interesting in, in the world of gaming. What do you think about that? I agree with you. Firstly, I'd like to bring this up that $1.5 billion is not a small amount. Now, in comparison, uh, the budget for Avengers Endgame, the movie, was nearly $350 million. The budget for Avatar is $250 to $300 million. The budget for Infinity War is nearly $300 million. So $1.5 billion is not like, uh, let's just try it out. That's something they know it's going to be a long-term thing. It's the same with LEGO Fortnite, as you mentioned. Obviously, that must have been a big number as well for them to make such a big move. Um, now, with the Disney metaverse let's call it or with the disney fortnite verse um i think that's one of the biggest collaborations they've ever had now they've had a lot of collaborations with uh, obviously they were small or they weren't as big of a scale of this but with this one firstly it's 100 going to be a new face a new game as you mentioned because i highly doubt they're going to be uh, doing something to do with Fortnite. Yes, it's going to be something to do with Fortnite, just like the Lego version. But then again, that's not necessarily Fortnite. Like for those who've played it, there's a Rocket Race one. I don't know what that's called. That's not Fortnite. But with this one, it seems like not only there is going to be games that are somewhat related to Fortnite, but I feel like Disney itself is going to be introducing a lot of games that are basically just using the engine, uh, which I believe, uh, I forgot what the engine was called. It was, uh, it do you remember is, that? It is Unreal Engine 5, which is very impressive. I remember they oh, released they released a Matrix demo when that re-release came out, or sorry, the new Matrix game uh, film came out in 2021. And they did a short demo on it and it was so realistic. So it's a very impressive 
gaming engine and that's one of the reasons that's one of the reasons why you know for something like for someone like disney who wants to build that metaverse you were talking about that's why it's enticing for them to invest in epic games because they are the creators of not only fortnite but unreal engine which is one of the best engines out there Mm. yeah i i completely agree with you i mean i think it's their way of obviously using that potential to a certain extent obviously it's going to bring in a lot of money from them keep in mind they have i believe they have collaborated before but that was just to do with fortnite itself rather than epic games i think what epic games is trying to do with fortnite is firstly i mean they've already done this they've rebranded fortnite already so a lot of people may not even go on to that game to play fortnite a lot of people may genuinely just go on to play the lego one or the rocket racing one um i could see them renaming it then again that's probably a big um bigger step but with this disney game mode so far i can't necessarily think of a game mode or i can't necessarily think of something they could do which relates to both worlds like with lego um yes like i wasn't gonna say they are going to do a minecraft lego like if i had lego had a collaboration with fortnite but with disney but that was something that was missing anyway like we were we missed on a better minecraft in the gaming industry anyway but with disney i just don't like obviously it's going to be amazing this is something that is going to be long lasting it's going to be amazing i believe it's at some point will probably have a higher player base than fortnite just like lego fortnite did to be fair they had a higher player base within the first couple of weeks obviously just because it was new but then they kind of stopped with the updates and everything and it just went the other way but with this one i can't necessarily think of a game they're going to recreate like how minecraft uh, how lego fortnite recreated minecraft do you think they're going to try and recreate like an iconic game or it's going to be something completely new i don't think they actually want to do that so I, what you're referring to is like a merging of the the two properties right so anything from like the disney ip catalog and fortnite characters and i don't think their aim here is to to do that, that sort of merger like you know something like lego fortnite and sure they can do that you know with these opportunities because like you were saying this is such a big deal they are no doubt going to create multiple games right mm-hmm. and so there's the opportunity for that to happen but what I think they want is completely original games. Um, and you can take Pirates of the Caribbean, for example. They will now have access to that property. Ooh. You can make a Pirates of the Caribbean game within Fortnite. And I think that's what they want. They want that game to only be available to play on their platform. Mm-hmm. And so, and while you were talking, I was thinking, what's a good comparison? And I guess one to make would be when Facebook shifted from facebook to meta and now when you think of meta you don't just think of facebook what else do they own well they own you know the quest for example but they also own instagram they own multiple different things so it's like a platform and that's where actually i believe that's where the metaverse comes from right meta so that's right i think yeah i think that's probably a good comparison to make um but i think yeah i think the decision behind this is for Fortnite as a now as a gaming platform to be the home of AAA party games such as, like I said, Pirates of the Caribbean. 
but it also works both ways because this will hopefully allow epic games to create a fortnite film or a fortnite tv series because mm. it is it's like the formalization of a partnership what was already there like you said there's been collaborations between disney and fortnite for years now starting back you know with the avengers endgame event for example um and so this sort of formalizes that it makes sense for it to finally happen it's a big commitment but i think i think it also goes both ways so it's not just going to be disney creating games on the fortnite platform which we can get into a bit bit more and why they want to do that but it also allows epic games to branch out and perhaps move into film and television because mm-hmm. why would disney be the only one to benefit from this why would disney be able to expand their business into gaming and why can't epic games expand their business into film and television so i think yeah it works both ways here uh yeah i totally agree with you there this one issue or i don't think you could call it an issue there's just one thing i would like to see how they're going to like a challenge i'd like to see how they'd all become one of the main things about obviously epic games and fortnite is how the game's free now obviously that's a scam whoever plays the game ends up spending money through the in-game currency buying stuff but it's advertised as free technically you're not you don't have to purchase anything to enhance your ability to play the game in any way shape or form now with such a big investment 1.5 billion dollars and with the opportunities they have as you mentioned like a pirate of the caribbean game now one thing they're going to get from epic games is their fan base so rather than them coming out releasing the game on their own where they have to build the fan base from zero they have the ability to now use the fan base use the player base that use that platform anyway so if you were a seller you'd want your item to be sold at a place where a lot of customers walk in rather than you having to build your own shop in the middle of nowhere advertise it be like here you go come this way as well um so one thing they're gonna have is they're going to have the player base from fortnite from the lego game mode which let's just say fortnite for now because that's a newer one uh, or that's an older one they're going to have those players already there so they don't necessarily need to go on a hunt for new customers they're going to have a certain number of customers already there anyway however my uh, my concern is what is it going to be is it going to be a free game because then that's not going to make sense like if you're going to invest billions in the game and if you're going to develop your own new games what is your way of making money out of it yeah, that's very true. And just thinking about it now, I do I do not have an answer for you, but I assume it would be in the business model and the way that they want to develop this platform. And I'm speaking in terms of Epic Games side, where they would want that platform to, to eventually host games which you can purchase. Mm-hmm. Um, now, from my experience, and I'm sure from your experience, if you log on to your PS5 and you go onto Fortnite, the when you log in and you know you have i guess that main menu that that search screen where you can play all these free to play games i don't know about you but it feels very chaotic so i yeah. think firstly that's something they need to sort out the the ui of it is is pretty chaotic at this point um and then you know you got to figure out okay how do you how do you generate your revenue from these games because you're absolutely right they can't all be free to play because 
where's the revenue going to come from? Um, now, of course, we can we can talk about the game Fortnite. The revenue comes from the item shop, and that's an incredible driver of revenue. But for these other games that that Disney are going to be releasing in the future, are they gonna? Is it going to be microtransactions as well, or is the money going to be generated from purchases for the game itself? And if so, how does that work? How do you implement that into? the the system and the platform they already have on consoles it's very interesting i i really don't know but i would assume like i said at the start that they would want to eventually move to a model where of course you have free to play games um and that's what fortnite is and that's what 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 has generated success for them but you would also eventually want you know those triple a titles because when a big game on PS5 comes out, a AAA title, it's usually $59.99, $64.99. I'm just thinking of, we just had Suicide Squad kill the Justice League a few weeks ago. A year yeah. ago, we had The Last of Us Part 1 remaster. You know, so these games, you can generate a lot of revenue just by that that sale price. And I assume at some point, they will want to introduce that onto their platform. But I think that is some way in the future. Uh, so I don't think we're going to be seeing that now. I think at the start and for the foreseeable future, we're going to still be seeing these free-to-play games. But I think eventually they're going to shift towards a hybrid model, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I get you. I mean, sure, I'm, I'm basically sure that they're going to have a lot of... Uh, you, you're right, they're definitely going to do that their own game just using the playlist but i'm sure they're going to still collaborate in some way shape or form with fortnite in terms of creating maybe free games that would uh, make people want to go and play and then obviously explore the disney world as well because it's going to be a big 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 world so i don't exactly know when they're going to start working on it i know it's obviously in the works already but i don't know when it's going to be available for players to use um one thing I'd like to mention, because you spoke about PlayStation, is did you hear the latest thing Sony said? Are you referring to where they said the PlayStation 5 is nearing the end of its life cycle? That's the one. What do you think about that? I, I was thinking about it earlier today, and I thought, okay, when did the PS4 come out? I think I'm right in saying 2013. Mm-hmm. When did the PS5 come out? 2020. So yeah. seven year difference there. And I was thinking, okay, when what what year are we in now? Twenty twenty four. Okay, so it's been four years now. It technically it's in the second half of its life cycle if we go off based on the PS four. And I know it hasn't sold as well as the PS four, but then again, the PS four didn't have a you know a COVID pandemic at the start of its launch, and also it hasn't been as long yet. But I was also thinking like there are still a lot of people on last gen consoles. This is not like the switch from PS3 to PS4. It's a bit different. And it does feel a little bit soon, considering how well the PS5 has done compared to the Xbox Series X. It is in a way a triumph, right? So I was very surprised by, by that statement from Sony. And I didn't really know how to feel about it because it's not like with the PS4 where you're like, okay, I can see where this can go and i'm ready for that upgrade it's sort of like i'm very happy with the ps5 it still impresses me all the time i don't need the upgrade yet so i was a little bit not only surprised but confused by that statement yeah so you're right ps4 did come out in 2013 and on average the age of the playstation's been around or each generation of the playstation's been around six to seven years 
six or seven and a half. That's like the average age of the PlayStation. However, there's a few things I'd like to shout out regarding this. Firstly, when when you release a console and you advertise it as the next gen console, this is the strongest and the best ever. Like, it's going to take more. Like, as you advance more, it's going to then take a longer time to reach something better. Keep in mind, they've just recently released the Slim line. I don't know what they call it. Maybe just PS5 Slim. Which, I mean, with PS5, it did have some main problems which one was for example the controller battery life one was the storage one was this the weight the how big it is like but then again those are everything that was solved with the slim line anyway so it wasn't like oh we need a ps6 to come and save us from all these problems everything was already uh fixed with ps5 a ps5 slim and as far as the cpu power or the gpu power of the console Yes, surely it can still get faster. I'd like to say it's fast enough. I wouldn't want it faster. I'd appreciate it if it's faster, but it's not going to make a big change. Uh, Because even with this one, I don't know if you know about this, but some games actually had to add an artificial waiting list uh, just because of how quick the loading was. So they had to actually add an extra loading. It was basically just for looks nothing is actually loading but just so it extends out the loading time a bit more really uh, yeah yeah that's how quick it is it's basically instant i don't know if you've tried your uh, try to do any game on your playstation 4 and then tried it on your playstation 5 like for example on ps4 when i used to play assassin creed's odyssey which one of, which is still one of my favorite games by the way the waiting the loading time for that was long like if you were first loading the game, or if you, let's say, fast travel somewhere, it was anything but a fast travel. Like, you had to wait, like, a minute, two minutes for it to load. Uh, whereas the first thing I tried on PlayStation 5 was that. It took five to ten seconds. Like, that was yeah. the that was the longest it took. So, okay, yes, it could get a bit faster than that. Yes, they could have a bit more storage than that. They could maybe... The PlayStation controller, I think, is perfect. I can't really see how they could improve that. Um but one thing you have to consider as well is is there any gaming or is there any gaming company out there that could even work on a better generation game anyway because what you have to consider is it's not just how powerful the console is 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 there any game that's going to challenge the capabilities of the console yeah within you know within traditional we're speaking within traditional consoles here as well not something like you know, pushing the boundaries in VR, but, you know, with current gen consoles, is you're right, is there anyone who can push those boundaries? And also another question is, is there appetite from game developers or game consumers for another console? Personally, I don't think there is, because so. a lot of these main games have only just, a lot of these releases have only just shifted from being next gen only. So for three or four years, and even still a lot of them now, they're still releasing on previous gen. And again, I was thinking, Nintendo haven't even released their next gen console yet. Xbox are not in the best place right now. You know, the figures that have come out over the last few weeks, they they are substantially changing their business model. And, and, you know, games like Indiana Jones, for example, which were going to be an Xbox exclusive. Now they're thinking, oh, maybe we should release that on PS5 as well. Starfield, which came out last year, big success for them. But they're also thinking maybe we should release that on PS5 as well. So that's a substantial change in their business model. 
it's it's quite odd it there doesn't seem an appetite for it like you said game developers themselves would they really want to how how can they push the boundaries of course we're probably going to be proven wrong here i have no doubt about that but right now it doesn't really seem obvious how they're going to do that and so that all links back to why i was so confused by by this announcement yeah i mean if i go back in time where just after the PS4 Slim came out, I believe a couple couple months after that, they announced they are working towards the next-gen console. Um, everyone were excited. Everyone were like, oh, let's go. It's about time. We need this update. We need that. We need this. As you said, with this one, I just... If they say we're working on PS6, the first thing that's going to come to my mind is uh, no. Like, there's no way I see myself needing a PS6. Like, if they were to release PS6, in two years, I could so see that as a console I'm going to skip and just wait for the next console. Do you know what I mean? Like, I see no need yeah. to get a new console. Now, you're right, with Xbox, I believe they're going to do some... I'm not sure if they've done it yet or not, but they're going to do some serious announcements, which is going to be regarding some changes they're willing to have. And I read none of the employees even know what it is. So uh, that's going to be interesting to see how it's going to turn out to be. But yeah, with the PlayStation, I just, yeah, I really cannot see it. Like, just why? I really cannot see how they could improve it. Or Surely they can, but I just don't see if it's that necessary. I could easily see this console lasting another 10 years. Or maybe not 10 years, another 8 years, 7 years. Yeah, I genuinely believe that the PS5 is such a strong console that it could have a a decade-long lifespan. So... You're absolutely right. If it if it comes to 2026 and Sony are announcing we've got the PS6 coming out this fall, it's probably going to be a case where I'm thinking, that's really cool. That's nice for you guys, but I'm not going to be getting it for, if I do get it, for two or three years. Like, very happy with what I have. It It doesn't make, I don't see what difference you can have as a gamer. We've already got incredible loading times on the PS5. Graphical capabilities are fantastic. And, you know, in conventional gaming terms, like you were saying with developers, where can you go from here? Unless, of course, it was what we were talking about earlier in the episode with spatial computing and and the realm of VR. Now, there's something interesting where it's unexplored territory, what you can do. But in conventional terms, I'm really not sure there's a need for this. Um, Yeah. I, I don't have a lot more to say on that. I'm sure we'll get more information and we'll cover it more. Yeah, speaking of VR, one thing I like to say is there's been a deal which Mark Zuckerberg tried to do with uh, Dana White, Dana White, the president of the UFC, which it's it's a new revolution. It's, they were, they've been talking about selling VR tickets for people who watch the show or whatever the fight is. So Mark Zuckerberg experimented this where they did a VR and the VR was basically through the referees. You had multiple perspectives. Obviously, you had the cameras. Uh, You also had one through the referees perspective where some referees in Japan, they're meant meant to wear, or even in America sometimes, they're meant to wear a, a camera like a small camera like on their shirt just so you see the referee's perspective and know if they made the right call or not. Okay. Um, 
And basically what the VR allowed you to do is not only see the fight through a freeze perspective, but just be the cage side for the fight. Like you're around the cage, you can go in the cage, you can go out the cage. It's pretty cool. Like it's a very cool thing. And I know that's something they've been working on. Uh, I'd like to see how that goes. Speaking of UFC, one thing I'd like to mention regarding this week's fight, we've got another pay-per-view this month or this Saturday, another one I'm waking up. Well, not waking up. I'm actually staying up for this. That's how good the fight card is. What time? Uh, uh, well, the main card starts at 3 a.m. Main events at 5.30. Get some sleep, man. I can't. This one, you know how excited I've been? So the next three months, I'm going to be staying up on Saturdays because, well, not every Saturday, uh, once a month at least, because this is UFC 298. Uh, headlining uh, Alexander Volkanovsky versus Ilya Teporia. Spanish fighter who's challenging for the featherweight championship of the world. Very, See? very interesting fight. Uh, next UFC pay-per-view is going to be UFC 299, which is another amazing card. And after that, we're going to have UFC 300, which we've been talking to for a while. We and have. Dana White announced that on Saturday, so the post-fight interview after this fight happens, so basically it will be Sunday, not Saturday for us. Uh, during the post-fight interview, he is going to announce the main event for UFC 300. So that's something we can look forward to. And I'm excited to talk about that on our next episode. Well, we are definitely going to cover that. Are you? Have you got any predictions? Who's going to be there? Who's going to be headlining it? <sighs> yes. So I believe the headline for UFC 300. Hear me out. I'm going to give multiple predictions. One of them is going to be right. One. John Jones, John Jones versus Stipe Miocic. I believe this is a fight that could happen. Uh, John Jones did just recently have a s- shoulder surgery, though. Um, so that's uh, it's tricky. The next one, Conor McGregor versus Michael Chandler, of course. Or Conor McGregor versus Nate Diaz, one of the two. I can, I can see a McGregor fight. Then again, a few weeks ago, Dana White said Conor is not fighting on 300. But then Connor says I'm fighting on 300. Yeah, it's just like (laughs) he would say that, but then Connor says I'm fighting on 300. The other one would be, I really can't tell, but what if they do Islam Makhachev, which is um, Khabib's brother, basically, the cousin. Um, What if he moves up a weight class and challenges Leon Edwards for the welterweight championship of the world? Or what happens if Khabib comes back? See, Khabib could come back, but who would he fight? He's not going to fight at his usual weight class because it's run by Islam Akhachev. He's not going to fight his cousin. That's his brother, basically. He could Khabib go up and fight... versus yeah. Conor McGregor. I just don't see it. I don't. Do you know why I don't see it? Can I just say, I'm just throwing in a curveball here. I'm not saying I see it, but I'm just saying you might get surprised. Uh, do, do you want to hear? Do you want me to give you my reason? I Go just on. don't see them headlining a card with a non-title fight. Like it has to be for a championship. Like I don't see them putting a main event fight without a championship. Is that matchup not bigger though? That's the biggest matchup in the history of the UFC. They can't do a match close to that. Nowhere near that. I guess and actually, the argument. He's been training, by the way. I guess the argument would be, though, that it's like looking back at the past and we're in the future now. But go on. He has been training, has he? 
So Khabib's been training. He went to America with his coach, Javier Mendez. He's been training with him for a while now. Uh, Ibrahimovic, you know, the football player, Zelatan Ibrahimovic, he posted on his Instagram a photo with Khabib the other day. And the caption was Khabib UFC 300 question mark. That was the caption. Oh. Now, there's been some talks within the UFC. Hear me out. And these are big. If this, if these changes happen, these are big changes. So how the weight classes in UFC is, it's 125 pounds, 135 pounds, 145 pounds, 155 pounds, 170 pounds, 185 pounds, 205, 205 pounds. And then you've got heavyweight after that. So anything above 220. Um, now, there's been some changes, or there's been some talks, rumors, not an official change, there's been some rumors regarding the weight class changes. So what they're saying they're going to do, rather than having 155 and 170 and 185, they're going to remove 170, they're going to do 165 pounds and 175 pounds, which just makes perfect sense, because you're going up in 10, and randomly you just go up in 15. Uh, That's true. So that, that makes perfect sense. So that means the 170 champion, who's um, Leon Rocky Edwards at the moment, he will be the new 175-pound champion, so he'll automatically get promoted to that. Uh, and every contender from 170 will move up to 175-pound unless they choose to go 165-pound. And at 165-pound, we don't have anyone. There is a lot of people who are too big to make 155 and are too small to fight at 170 but they have no choice they're meant to fight at one of the two so there's a lot of people that would fit that category perfectly and that would just sound like a perfect perfect comeback fight for conor mcgregor if that is true what do you think i just think you know obviously you said dana white said it's not going to happen conor said it is going to happen but we know that's his personality. Of course, he's going to say it. it's going to happen. I think 300 is such a it's such a big event that you need something special. And for me, in my opinion, as long as he's not injured or anything, it just makes sense to bring him back. He's he's their mm-hmm. big name. He still is their big star. So yes, of course, like you said, you need a title fight. And we you know we covered Leon Edwards versus Colby Covington a few episodes ago. Um, but I, I can see it happening. I'm not calling it because I, I really don't know, but I could see it happening. It, it is that, that big standout name that I think they want and need for UFC 300. So it wouldn't surprise me in terms of Khabib, who knows, probably not. I was just throwing that one out there, but I could see Connor coming back. And of course, you know, we're going to be talking about Connor a bit anyway, because he's got Roadhouse coming out. What is that in two or three weeks? So we'll be reviewing that. So it is sort of like it's his moment at the mo- at, at the moment. Yeah. So I could see it happening. That being said, though, I'd like to shout this out regarding UFC 300. The fight card is so stacked. Like this is by far the greatest fight card in the history of combat sports. Not even MMA in the history of any combat sports. This is just by far the best ever fight card um and this is without uh, so okay 
the early fight, first of all, obviously you're not going to know all of these fighters, but all of these are basically ranked fighters. The very first fight of the night is Bobby Green versus Jim Miller, both of them veterans of the sport. Next fight, we've got the women's division, Jessica Andrade versus Maria Rodriguez. Next fight, Sadiq Youssef versus Diego Lopez. Next fight, we've got Holly Holmes versus Kyla Harrison, and she just recently signed with the UFC. She's one of the greatest female fighters of all time. Next five, we've got the bantamweight champion or the former bantamweight champion, uh, Davidson Figueredo versus Cordy Garbrandt. We've got the newly signed with the UFC, Bo Nickel, one of the greatest wrestlers of all time, the Olympic gold medalist fighting Cordy Br- uh, Brondage, which is, uh, I mean, this is a setup fight. Like he's a minus 1,450 favorite, which just, yeah. And then we've got <laughs> Calvin Qatar versus Aljamain, Aljamain Sterling, another former champion. Then we've got Yuri Prohaska versus Alexander Rackett, another former champion. Then we've got Charles Oliveira versus Armand Sarukian, another former champion. Then we've got Justin Gaethje versus Max Holloway. This is for the BMF belt, so the new BMF belt, the baddest motherfucker in the UFC. Another former champion. Interesting then name. Yeah, so basically they did that fight for... When Jorge Masvidal fought Nate Diaz, uh, they wanted the fight to be the headline because they were both superstars at the time. But obviously none of them are the champion and none of them were ranked high enough to fight for a championship at the time. So they were like, okay, fuck it. We need the headline fight to be for a championship belt. So why not just make one? Let's call it the baddest motherfucker. Let's settle it. Two gangsters fighting. Let's see who's the best. And obviously after... um, uh, Jorge Masvidal uh, retired. The fight was Dustin Poirier versus Justin Gaethje for the same belt, which Gaethje knocked him out with a head kick. And now Max Holloway's fighting for it. The next fight, we've got Zhang Weili versus Yan, which is another title fight. And actually, according to Dana White, though I think he's wrong with that, he said the UFC 300 still has two fights left. So he said there's going to be a co-main event and a main event announced for that fight. Which come on, uh, it's it's got to be something big. I, I see it. It ha- I mean, it has to be. I mean, don't get me wrong. This card, this fight card by itself is massive, as we talked about. It's going to sell anyway. But the moment you add that Connor, Khabib, John Jones, it's it's just gonna sell more automatically. Like you, the, people don't even look at the rest of the card if one of those names up there. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I'm just wondering. When is this, by the way? What date is UFC 300? I believe UFC 300 is on the 17th of April. We could do a whole episode dedicated to it. I I agree with that. Oh, that's a yeah. shout. That, that, that might be the best thing I've ever heard. Could be. <laughs> we need a name. We need an MMA name. Well, we'll, we'll have a think on April. the name. 14th of April. So, okay, let me write that down. But yeah, we could do a whole episode dedicated to that. Maybe we can maybe we can try and get someone on as well. Debate we could in, do. The, in the discussion. But we could yeah. do. Absolutely staying up and watching it live and absolutely getting kicked out for being too loud. At so <laughs> yeah, so it's at 3 a.m. Okay, I yeah. I guess I will, <laughs> I will stay up for that one. Let's go. Actually, you have said you're doing episode 300. You're doing UFC 300, didn't you? Or you said if it's Khabib. But now you just said it. It's too late. It's in the recording. It's going up. 
Well, I said what I, what I believe I said, unless I have the memory of a goldfish, is I could stay up for that one. Yep. But what I am committing to is doing a whole episode on it. So That's therefore, the right it, would, it would make sense for me to watch it all so that I know what the fuck you're talking about. <laughs> But I think that's a good idea. It is. I think. I think it's going. It's going to be a big event. You know, it's going to be enjoyable to watch anyway because it's it's the big mark. Thirty years in UFC three hundred. Actually, if Khabib would fight at this UFC fight at this event, it would be thirty his thirtieth professional fight. Oh, it it all it all aligns. I'm not saying anything. I'm just saying it aligns, man. Okay. Do we get a final prediction as to who's going to be headlining it then? I just I think there's a strong possibility Conor McGregor is there. I, That's I agree. It. I agree. I agree. fuck. What if his leg snaps again? Well, don't don't say that. Don't jinx it. <laughs> That'd be so peak. Imagine if if it does, it's because you've jinxed it. It is. Uh, so I apologize to him. When we have him as a guest, I will personally apologize to him. So, speaking of watching things. Did you watch mm-hmm. A Quiet Place Day One and its trailer? Oh my god, tell me about it. I have. How good is that? Well, it was only a teaser trailer. It was about 90 seconds long. And here, what we know is it's set on day one. The trailer sort of, it starts with a timeline from the previous film. So for example, it says like day 410 and it shows a clip from, you know, the first film. Then it goes to like 460 and it shows a clip from the second film. And then it cuts all the way down. It counts all the way down to day one. And it follows a woman and various other characters in New York City on the day that it happened. So already we have this complete shift. Whereas those first two films were in a rural area like farmland. This one is in the city, man. And it just looks so fucking cool. I mean... We didn't get any dialogue from the trailer. Um, the audio was amazing, but again, it was all like sound effects of like the aliens and you know stuff crashing and whatnot. So we we didn't get any of the dialogue there, but it it just immersed you in that world, and I cannot wait for it. So this one is starring Lupita Nyong'o. She's an Oscar winner, but she's also been in the Black Panther films. She played T'Challa's, I guess you could say girlfriend i don't think she was t'challa's wife um but also the the mother of his son if you've seen black panther 2 you know what i'm talking about Mm -hmm. um joseph quinn from stranger things season four he was sort of the breakout star of that he played eddie if you remember who that is yeah and also i can't remember his name but he was in a quiet place part two he was the man on the island towards the end of the film and he was a great character. And spoiler here, unfortunately, he gets killed in part two. Um, but of course, this is a prequel. So he's alive and well in this film and he's coming back. So, yeah, I'm really excited about this one. What do you think? I believe even Emily Blunt is making a return. Well, if she is, even better. Even better, indeed. Yeah, so with this one, obviously, it's going to be... One thing I really like is they're going back to where it all started from rather than continuing the same thing, which would have been boring. I mean, it did end, sort of, anyway. But, um, so this is... This is like a new... Firstly, this this game... This movie gives me video game vibes. They could so 
easily make a great video game out of this film. Um, also, uh, and can you imagine how sick the audio in that game would be? It would just be nothing. You anyway. know what? You're you're completely yeah. onto something there. It just made me think of The Last of Us. Exactly. Literally, it's the same one. It's a similar vibe. But yeah, as far as this movie, as first it's coming out in June, like late June 2024. It is. So we're not far off it, like five months and we'll have it. And I'm so looking forward to this main city, as you mentioned. It's kind of doing the Reacher, but on a different scale, obviously. But the in Reacher a way. did. Yeah, but I'm just so looking forward to it. The cast is brilliant. Obviously, the casting for both part one and part two has been fantastic. They were both brilliant. And both of them were amazing films. Like, I've rarely seen, like, a sequel to a film where it was as good or it was something that you'd be like, okay, well, this is very good, but I just don't see where they can go from now. This yeah. just opened up a whole new world. Oh, I, I see. I don't know whether this is going to be like a continuing thing where they're going to do a fourth part or not. But just the concept of day one, how it all began, is just very appealing to me. I'm sold on that. They've just, the storytelling here, they've created such a cool world. Again, we always bring this up, but, you know, I completely agree with what you said about part two. I watched it and I thought, yeah, rarely do you see a film which is not only as good as the first film was, but I actually thought part two was better. And the way that it, the way that it went, you're like, I can see them doing a part three in a few years and that will be great. And I can see them doing a part four and that will be great because you're so invested in the characters. Mm -hmm. But then you can also see like, someone else in this in the exact same world or in a, in a different country within the same world and how they react you know to whatever is going on here there are so many opportunities for what you could do um and again like the audio is such a big thing about those films and that would lend itself so well to a video game adaptation maybe they could do it in this new Fortnite platform who knows maybe don't they know if could, that's their, know? yeah i was gonna don't say know if that's their thing it? but is it, but, isn't it um, the Brothers, something Brothers? I I have no idea. But I remember I sent you this trailer and you thought this is going to be the, the big hit of the summer. And I do, I'm not sure what the budget is. I don't think the budget's that high. So I think financially it's going to do very well. It could be a sleeper hit because the first few films, they've done relatively well. Um, so very much looking forward to this one. And just going to move us on a little bit because it wasn't the only trailer that released in the past week. We also had Deadpool and Wolverine. Did you see that trailer? I've seen parts. I didn't see the whole thing. I just saw like uh, clips of it. But apparently it's the most watched trailer ever. Yes and no, because Disney have been a little bit sneaky here. So the numbers were over 24 hours and it was like 365 plus million viewers over, you know, 24 in the first 24 hours. But Disney included the 123 million viewers of the Super Bowl. Shout out to Kansas City, by the way, for winning that. Um, But yeah, but still, I mean, you subtract that. I think it's still in the top 10, uh, you know, amongst like Avengers Endgame, Infinity War, stuff like that. Uh, The Lion King's in there. But I have to say is, I mean, it's Deadpool's introduction to that marvel universe but it looks good and interestingly enough we didn't get a lot of wolverine in the trailer even though he's half of the film yeah I mean, he's half of the title so he must be half of the film but yeah, he is actually but i'm looking forward to that one i didn't did we include this on our most anticipated films i feel like you did I don't and i think didn't so no i didn't actually i did you're right i did do that 
I am. I think it was an honourable mention, though. Yeah, I'm going to add it as my own honourable mention six weeks later. <laughs> I am looking forward to this one. Right, well, by the end of the year, let's hope we say it's one of the best ones. Do you know when that's coming out? That one has got to be... It's got to be in July. I'm not sure, but I yeah, think July. it should be summertime, I believe. So summertime, we're somewhat stacked. Um, obviously, with Deadpool, he's been one of those interesting characters in the Marvel, Marvel world where he doesn't necessarily fit on the superhero he is, but he's one of them funny ones. Yeah. Um, he, he's a character, man. He's funny. I'm wondering, though, with Wolverine... Is it the case where he's making a comeback after a while anyway? I'm really not sure because, you know, in this in this MCU, in this universe, you've got all these different versions of characters and timelines. So maybe it's a case of... Because I think Hugh Jackman was done with Wolverine after Logan, which is a great yeah. film. And obviously he's come back for this. So maybe it's like his specific Wolverine is, what for whatever reason, they have crashed timelines and he's back for one film. I'm really not sure. I I think one thing I want to say about this film is it seems like even though Deadpool is joining the MCU, they haven't taken away, you know, that dark humor or that violence, which I like because, you know, usually these films get filtered down. The films Mm -hmm. in the MCU, they're rated, for example, like age 12, whereas the first two Deadpool films are 18s. And I feel like that's probably going to be the case with this one. At the very least, I can see it being... 15 but i think it's also going to be rated 18 again so i do like that they're they're taking a bit of a a shift here and i also think i'm right in saying this is the only mcu cinema release this year so quite a quiet year for them obviously last year was difficult um they had guardians of galaxy volume 3 which did very well but you know ant-man didn't perform as well as they wanted it to and the marvels was a flop Come on, man, which, the Marvels, come on. Which, well, we we gave a decent review, and I, I thought it was pretty harsh on the Marvels that it did as bad as it did, because I didn't think it was that bad. I think so... it's just the expectations too high for Marvels now, or just the Marvel in general, the MCU world. The expectations way too high now. Well, not well, yeah, and also just the fatigue, because the Marvels wasn't, it wasn't a great film. It was pretty conventional, and I think we, we both said after it, we were like, yeah, I enjoyed it, but what was the point of this film? Whereas... Exactly. Something like Deadpool and Wolverine looks extremely entertaining. It's something a bit different, and I think that's going to work out very well for them. So looking forward to that, and I think they've got a hit on their hands again. I mean, it's been a while, but yeah, I think they do. Yeah, you know they've also hinted the next Avengers film in it. Like there's been some Easter eggs regarding some scenes about the next Avenger game, which is I think the return of all Avengers or something like that. Interesting. It's based on like the comic book, so... Uh, there's a scene in the trailer where Deadpool's like on the desert or or in the desert on the floor or just on the ground like he's out cold or I don't uh, as I said I haven't watched the trailer he's on the ground but it's like sand underneath him so I don't know if it's the desert beach whatever um and in the sand you could just see like next to him there's like like graving in the sand what it looks like one of the the covers of one of the comic books from Marvel which basically is like the Avengers return or something like that Oh, okay. Um, which is then again an interesting Easter egg. If I think that's the only way for them to bring back their viewership, I'm not gonna lie. Yes, the this film might be amazing. Deadpool three might be amazing, but I just don't see how one film, which doesn't necessarily have a continuous storyline, like a 
bigger picture. That's that's one of the great things with all the other Marvel films. Uh, before this is before Endgame. Any Marvel film that came out before before Avengers Endgame, it was for a bigger picture. Like you could connect it in your brain somehow. But since then, as we as you said as well, there hasn't necessarily been any that you could be like, okay, this was a good film, and it's going to make that film a lot better when it comes out. No, it was quite pointless. So with this one, I don't necessarily see how much of that bigger picture it can paint. But uh, I think that is honestly the only way for them to bring back the viewership they had or the same fan base they had by just bringing back all the old Avengers. I agree with you there, as in like, you know, what what is the bigger picture? But I disagree in the sense that I think that there is a bigger picture but it links back to what I was just saying, where it's like, what is that bigger picture? Where you know, whereas with like leading up to Endgame and Infinity War before that, it was very clear what the bigger picture was. Whereas since then, there's always been a bigger picture. It's just been very messy on the way there. Um, but you know, you were talking about how they need another Avengers film or maybe bringing them back. But I'm just thinking, do we need another Avengers film? Because it feels like, because it's been so messy, it's like, I'm a little bit fatigued about that. I'm I'm feeling like it might be too soon to bring them back. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get, I get what you mean. Yeah, I get what you mean. Then again, though, they're meant to be working on something. Like, surely they're doing something. They are, but then they had this big issue because they they cast Jonathan Majors as Kang, who's meant to be the villain in the next Avengers film. And then he had all these court cases against him and now they fired him. So they need to find a replacement for him. But he's already been in yeah. Loki and he's already been in Ant-Man Quantumania. So you've got to recast someone who we're already familiar with. So it is, again, it's just a bit of a mess. But yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, let's let's see how it goes. Hopefully, hopefully they manage to do something that... I mean, I'm just looking forward to the Deadpool one for now. Let's see what they can do after that, though. Exactly. So before we wrap this up, tell me what have you been watching lately of course so it's been a busy week i watched a, a few things actually finally the main thing i'd like to mention is finally i watched top Gun maverick you've been telling me to watch it for months maybe yep. 10 years i don't know when it came out but i remember not watching it at the cinema because i thought i had to watch the previous one before that um but i watched it i could already say it's one of my favorite films of all time it's just amazing I watched, and I got scammed with this, by the way. I watched Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Okay. I I watched The Platform. Well, rewatched The Platform, I believe. And I rewatched The Ninja Turtles. Come on. Come have on. You seen, have you seen the latest one yet? What, Ninja Turtles? Yeah. No, no, not yet. Not yet. Ah, uh, because it, I don't know if you have this. It just came out on Paramount Plus. I don't have Paramount Plus, but uh. yeah. I, I I could I would get it for that I genuinely would. How about I mean I can watch it in the next few weeks because I have it and then I can tell you how it is. Actually, yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, do that. That'd be amazing. Could talk but about it here actually. Let's work our way backwards. So, Top Gun Maverick. You said you didn't watch it because you thought I need to watch the original one, which you do and you don't. It definitely helps. Um, and this was a film that one of the reasons why it was so big, apart from it being in its in itself a very very good film is you had that nostalgia moment you know it came out in 1986 
uh, and Maverick came out in 2022. So you had almost three decades building up to it. And I just, I in one way, I'm so happy you've finally seen it. And in another way, I feel bad for you because you never got to experience that in a cinema. And I yeah, saw it twice honestly. in the cinema. And one of them oh, I saw it in IMAX, and it was incredible. Uh, yeah, no, I could just picture how good it would be. Any Anything with planes, spaceships, rockets is just better in the cinema. Everything is better in the cinema, but these specifically is just the next level. Anything regarding traveling to space, airplanes, it's, it's just better in the cinema. I don't know why, if it's just the audio quality or if it's just it's, the surroundings, but it's yeah. just better, these stuff. It's all of that. It's the immersion and the yeah. the aerial photography in that film is just incredible. Amazing! It was amazing. This film was, as I said, this is. I rarely watch a film and straight away I say this is one of the greatest films of all time, or one of my favorite films of all time, rather than the greatest. But this was one of them. Like besides from, let's say, uh, what's some of the Christopher Nolan films? Uh, the Dark Knight Rises, Inception, and Interstellar. Uh, Interstellar. Like these three were the ones I genuinely watched, and I was like, "These must be one of my favorite films of all time." Actually, also the Joker. I, for some reason, I just thought that's one of my favorite films of all time when I first watched it. Um, yeah, I remember you saying that. Yeah, that's what I mean. I don't know why, and I rewatched it, and I still really like it. I don't. I mean, it's a good film. Is it one of the best films of all time? Probably not. I just don't know why I get that vibe from it. But this was one of them as well, Top Gun Maverick, where I just watched it and I just instantly knew, okay, this is one of the greatest films out there. Well, sometimes cinemas and IMAX cinemas specifically, they do throwback screenings. So I'm sure if you look out over the next year, there there will be a time where a certain cinema will have Top Gun Maverick back in, you know, maybe for one week only or something. So if you do want to experience it again with that incredible audio, with that immersion... You probably can do. The question is, do you want to experience it again? I definitely would be down. That's the right mindset. Uh, yeah, that honestly, I would like. This is the film, as I said, I just watched a couple of days ago. I would sit and rewatch it now. That's how good it was. And speaking of Top Gun, there's there's some rumblings that a third film they've started writing a script for it. Doesn't mean that that script will be used whenever it's finished. Um. But we were we were having a chat about this, and I just think I really I'm not sure about a third film. I think well for many reasons, but I think it's too soon. I don't know what you can do with Tom Cruise's character, and of course you could focus on Miles Teller and Glenn Glenn Powell's characters because that's a dynamic that you can explore. And of course, naturally, I'm going to say yes, we want a third Top Gun film because I love the first two. But I do think it's too soon. I don't know about you. You've just seen it, but it does feel like those films. They, there's so much quality in there. They they're, yeah. they're so well beloved that you don't really want to be pumping out sequels unless it's really good. Which I know they're not gonna they're not gonna say yes. Tom Cruise is not gonna say yes to something that's gonna damage you know the legacy of those films. So it's gonna have to be good enough for it to get made. But if it does go ahead hopefully it can match some of that magic of the first two i agree with that now i think what you do with the tom cruise character is firstly uh, i think there's a bit of contra uh, controversial things around that the reason i say this is because i think they ended his legacy too soon in terms of and i said this to you before as well 
I think Top Gun Maverick, like it was the second film of the series, Top Gun Maverick. And Top Gun Maverick was basically the end of Tom Cruise in that series anyway. Like I already said, okay, this person is a veteran. This person has been around for years. This person's this, this person's that. Let's let him just coach. So I can't really see him in action anymore if there is going to be a third film. Uh, so rather, I would have said they probably could have done before Top Gun Maverick. They probably could have done one more film of Tom Cruise being in his prime, doing all the missions, doing this and that. And then in the third one, he kind of slows down. He coaches and then he still helps out with the mission. He's still the best if he wants to. He's the veteran. He's the OG. Uh, if there's a third film, I'll tell you what they can do with him. Give him an iconic death 10 minutes into the film. That's what you need to do with him. He deserves no. it. Leave. I'm telling you. Leave him alone. You know, if they do a third film, don't even have him in there. That's what I would do, I think. No. Yeah, don't even have him there. Focus on other characters. Focus on... You've got Glenn Powell, who is a movie star on the up right now. He was just in Anyone But You, which has been a big success in the global box office. So that's someone who stars on the rise. You've got Miles Teller, who is a fantastic actor anyway. You can cast some other big names in there. Just focus on them. You don't even need Tom Cruise in it. But again, I don't think they should do that in the first place. I think they should leave it. I think, I think, no, hear me out. I agree they should, if they do a third one, they should go a different route. So they should leave Tom Cruise. But I don't think just not having him in the film as a rival. I think if they give him an iconic death, that would be so, so much better. Like 10 minutes into the film, bang, he's out cold. It's just going to add values to his character. Probably not, but yeah. But they've already, in that series, they've already given a supporting character. Well, they've given multiple supporting characters, I guess what you could say, iconic deaths. Not really, but they've they've already done that in that series. And Tom Cruise is, you can't kill Tom Cruise, man. You can't do it. Oh, for fuck's sake. Come on, man. I wonder if he did his stunts for this himself as well. I mean, it's just surely you have to be a pilot to be able to pull that off, which he, he can, is. Actually, he can fly, yeah. Yeah, but I, I'm not sure if he can fly like an F, F-14 jet, though. I think he can maybe fly like Listen, commercial planes. I'm, I'm not going to deny that because I feel like he could and I feel like he did. Have you seen that clip of it? Actually, before watching Top Gun Maverick, I thought it's going to be in this film because I've not seen that film. But the film is the one where he does. He's basically hanging on the side of the plane as it takes off. Yep, that is Mission Impossible 5. Yeah, it's insane. That's insane. You know that, I mean, the strength, yeah, it's there. But just the guts you need to have to pull that off. You're just hanging by a rope. That's it. You know how fast the plane's going. I know, that is, I mean, he is someone who is truly committed to his craft. You cannot deny that because the, the situations and the stunts that he puts himself in are ridiculous but they're so impressive at the same time uh yeah i mean it's a good film still though but all right man should we wrap this up let's do this all right i have been your host william code i'm your host Asha. and thank you for listening to coffee hour we will see you on the next episode take care, take care.